Blog Talk Radio. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. was the lovely Kellyanna, who's actually been a guest on the show. And I met her in person at the local New Age shop, Sticks and Stones, where she did a concert. And she is inspiring, and with her great goddess chant music, sometimes she just shows up at the show with her drum and sings and has a gigantic voice. That was one of her mellower songs. And sometimes she just hits that drum and starts wailing and Quite impressive. <laughs> anyway, we've been discussing on the Susan Weed Green Magic Green Medicine Show here the 13 sacred trees, the Celtic tradition of 13 moons. Each one has a tree of its own. And I see Susan is in the chat room, or not the chat room, the queue, and I'm going to go ahead and bring her on. Welcome, Susan. <clears throat> Thank you so much. What a delight to be here with you. Absolutely. How are things going for you tonight? It has been an incredibly busy day in a very positive and productive way. All right. That's the way to get February off to a heartfelt start. Yes. And we had a couple things going, and then I'll we'll get along here. And one was basically I spent most of the day in the studio. I re-sang almost half of the songs on the album for whatever reason, my voice is a little tired now, but I was having a particularly good vocal day after getting over a very brief cold. And it's interesting how sometimes after you become sick briefly, how you feel incredibly strong after, as soon as it starts to heal. And I just felt totally confident. It's like a lesson. It's like, okay, I should have been on this. And, and so I went and I just sang all these tracks and had a really good day in the studio. 
as well as her backup singer, Nikki, came in. And she's adding a great energy to the project. And as well, I'm working on some interesting guests for Main Street Universe, including someone who is doing a documentary, and I'll keep this short, <laughs> uh, but they've agreed to be on Main Street Universe in the near future, a documentary on uh, the Australian artist, uh, witch uh, Rosaline Norton. So she's working on some sort of documentary about her, and so I'm bringing her on to the show to talk about that. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Rosaline or not. but very. I'm not, very, but how exciting. Very controversial woman at the time. Um, in about the, I'm going to just take a guess, a wing, and say before the 60s, even maybe like the 50s and 40s era. Uh, yeah, around that time. And uh, so I'm always interested in early 20th century mystics and all of that. It's just a fascination of mine and, and how they blend in or don't blend in. Or <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. It sounds like uh, this woman is right up your alley. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it'll be an interesting uh, show. Yeah. So shall we return to the Ogham and the Trees of the Thirteen Moons? And we've been going along. We've spent part of December and January in talking about the Ogham and why there's 13 moons and the, why there are trees and so on. And I realized that I, in my general, rather casual fashion, was being fairly casual about this and that perhaps I should also let people know that this is a matter of some scholarly import and that there are books ranging from <clears> – <throat> semi-casual, to extremely scholarly about this entire topic, and that over the um, next few conversations in the next few months, I will be uh, bringing some of those books to our conversations, so that anyone who's listening who says, this whole subject matter is like really deep and fascinating, and I want to learn more, will have access to the tools of learning more. One of the first ones that I'm going to bring to our conversation is called Celtic Tree Mysteries. And the subtitle is Secrets of the Ogham. And the author is Steve Blamires, B-L-A-M-I-R-E-S. Steve Blamires was born in Scotland and currently lives in Alaska. And then it talks about his uh, founding the Celtic Research and Folklore Society because he is so devoted to the Celtic path. And uh, it's a fairly recent book within the past uh, 20 years, put out in 1997. So we have done the first tree, Birch, the second tree, Rowan, or Quickbeam, and the third tree, Ash. 
the tree of the mother-daughter connection. In fact, we said that birch was about beginnings, initiations, and uh, the conception of things, and that the mountain ash protected them as they grew, and then the ash was there for the birth of them. Our next tree, the fourth tree, is the alder. The alder tree is a very important tree, especially in the Pacific Northwest. It is almus, A-L-N-U-S, and also a very important tree in England, and a rather large tree as well. I'm reading from Stephen Blameyer's book now. The spiritual essence of alder is in taking up a challenge and stepping forward boldly and bravely tackle whatever is thrown at you. Birch is about new beginnings. Rowan is facing up to your place in the green world, and alder now gives you the nod to take up the tests that you have accepted. Alder is a tree of confident continuation. The alder's advancing aspect is of the utmost importance, for it is only by breaking new ground and making ourselves face up to what we have previously avoided that we can ever progress. Alder is a tree most useful when half-submerged in water, and thus it is a very good symbol of the state in which active magic should be done with constant awareness of things both above and below the surface, with a safe and secure foundation upon which to build new and useful structures. Alder, the tree of the fourth lunation, what is perhaps most notable about alder is that when it is cut, it bleeds, it bleeds bright red blood. Alder grows where it is wet, and it is hollow. And this makes alder wood very good for use in wet situations, for pilings, for posts on which to put houses in damp places, poles, blocks, masts. Alder wood, and remember the alder can grow quite large, up to 70 feet. All these things are alder, and alder, especially in the United States on the East Coast, tends to grow very, very shrubby. It is quite the shrubby tree, and it is said that everywhere one alder is cut, three more spring up in its place. There are elder alder hells in certain places in Maine where the alder is so thick and shrubby that you can hardly move. So alder is a tree, and yet it's also a shrub. It is a wood that grows where it is wet and used where it is wet, and it is also a wood that is considered durable and tough. For this reason, warriors, uh, Celtic warriors, often made their shield of alder wood. 
Alderwood is said to protect those who are going out to fight for justice. The designation of the Fourth Lunation is after the birth, returning to the arms of the consort. So there's the conception, the pregnancy, the birth, and then at the fourth tree, the return, the return to the lover. And it is, as I was reading in Steve Blameyer's, that the birth is not the end, then we must press forward, then we must do something new, then we must push into the next step. A magician uses an alder wand for transformation. When it is time to have awareness above and below and to make a transformation. The alder rules the springtime floods. It is there to soak up the water of the springtime flood and thus to make it safe for the people when the water is flooding. Because the alder is hollow, it is not unusual to make flutes and pipes and whistles and arrow blowers out of alder wood. So there is this further magic that comes with the alder, this tree that when you cut it bleeds red, that absorbs the spring floods and saves us and our dwellings from those floods that provides the piers and the mess and the poles to keep us up out of the water and safe from the water. And yet the magic of the alder is that it makes music to call the water. Bobbins, which were often used underwater, were made of alder wood, and outdoor furniture is made of alder wood because it is so resistant to rotting. Alder is said to be the tree of energy and the tree of passion. When we feel a need to do something Daring, alder is there to give us the passion and give us the energy. Alder combines earth, fire, and water in a moving spiral. It is like the moving spiral of life that we see repeated again and again as the alder moves from earth to water and water to fire, bleeding the red drops of blood when it is cut. Alder is a very fascinating dye plant, for we can get different colors from different parts of it. The bark of the alder makes a red dye, and it is a lovely and soothing red dye indeed. The twigs of the alder make a brown dye so that we too can look like the alder. We can move into the forest and be that nut-brown person in the forest. And the flowers of the alder provide a green dye. 
there are two kinds of alder flowers. We talked about this with the birch tree, that the birch trees have female flowers and male flowers, and so do the alder trees. There are male catkins and female catkins, so the alder, like the birch, birch is a wind pollinated plant. And wind pollinated plants have to produce copious amounts of pollen. This can be problematic for some human being sinuses. If you're in an area like the Pacific Northwest or Maine, when the alder is blooming, you can have a reaction to the alder pollen because the air will be quite full of it. I've even noticed here in the Catskills, there's not very much alder here at all, but there's lots of birch. And the higher up you get, the more you will see the pollen from the birches settling all around during the days that the birches are spreading their pollen and the alder as well. One of the primary old-time uses for alder was to turn it into charcoal. Charcoal making is not done as a kind of home industry anymore, but throughout the northeast part of the United States, especially in the colonial and late colonial period, charcoal making was a very important small-scale industry, and alder wood was the choice wood for making charcoal. I've read about how it's made, and it certainly seems quite fascinating to me, and as though it would take quite a bit of skill. First of all, a lot of wood is brought to one place. And the picture that I saw of the pile of wood, it looked like it was 8 to 10 feet tall and um, easily 10 to 12 feet around or perhaps a slightly more oval shape. Once all of this wood was brought in, as I said, alder would be a preferred wood for it, then earth began to be heaped upon it and a fire was lit And the fire was designed to bring all of the wood to a very slow reduction heat. And there, of course, lies the skill as to when to make the fire, how hot to let the fire burn before the mound is completely closed off and made airtight. And of course, once it's airtight, then the fire can't burn with the flame anymore. But if we have been skilled and we've brought the fire to just the right pitch, then it will continue to burn. It will burn. It will burn all of the burnable stuff away and leave behind the charcoal, another burnable thing, something made in an anaerobic atmosphere without any oxygen. We can imagine that alder would be a preferred wood for doing this because alder is a wet wood. Alder does not burn really well. I can imagine if we tried to do this with a wood that burned very well, perhaps our fire would get out of hand. And instead of winding up with a uh, a mound of earth over charcoal, we'd wind up with a, a mound of earth over ashes. And so the alder helps us to get that slow and controlled burning to get 
the charcoal that was so very prized. Nowadays, alder is the wood of choice for electric guitars. And I laughed when somebody told me, a musician told me that, because I had been taught to associate alder with the shield, with the knight's shield, with the Celtic warrior's shield, that as we are moving into the new and dangerous territory, we are putting in front of us that which is going to receive the blows. And Of course, I don't play electric guitar, but as an audience member, I think of the electric guitar being put in front of the musician night and it receiving all of both the blows of the playing of that electric guitar. And we think certainly of someone like Jimi Hendrix, in which we wondered that the guitar did not, in fact, snap from the tremendous energy that was being poured into it to that night, to that warrior and the shield of Alder and the electric guitar of Alder. And, of course, we think perhaps of the knights um, as being older, but if we look historically, we find no. In fact, they were teenagers, all right? So the teenager with the electric guitar, it just holds together so well that the magical uses of these trees spans across the centuries. And we don't have to say, all right, I shall, you know, um, dress like a Celtic warrior and hold the shield. No, we can say, my shield is my electric guitar, or my shield is my alder wand. Remember, whenever we're making a magical wand of a wood, it is very important to ceremony with the living tree and to ask the living tree for a living branch to make into a wand. It is considered absolutely critical that the lifeblood of the tree, especially in alder, be present in the wand that we cut and that we actually take upon ourselves the responsibility and the care of making this wounding. We don't just pick up a dead stick and pretend that we don't have a relationship. By choosing to use live wood, we have to acknowledge our relationship with this living being, the alder, and to acknowledge the flow of blood, the flow of sap, the flow of energy that went from this mother tree to this small limb that we, with grace and with ceremony, are asking for to use in our magic for transformation, for moving into the newness. As herbalists, alder bark infusion has for hundreds and hundreds of years been renowned for helping to heal all kinds of wounds, but especially skin ulcers and poison ivy. Also, to help heal and get rid of all kinds of infections to the eyes. 
again, one can see where perhaps having a shield of altar with the bark on would provide one with a very good remedy after the battle. One could simply shave some of the bark off of one's shield, drop it into a pot of boiling water, and use it to treat one's wounds, any eye infections or injuries, and any that was left over, um, if diarrhea was going around the camp after the battle, the alder bark, like most tree barks, is astringent and can help to counter that diarrhea. Alder bark, like most barks, is considered an astringent tonic. It is also an alt, and in large enough doses, it can be emetic. So do be careful. If you are consuming alder bark, I have found in several other books that authors are suggesting the use of the alder leaves and feeling that the alder leaves are um, much safer to use. We often find this, especially when we're working with the trees, that as we go from the flower to the leaf to the bark, that the medicine becomes um, somewhat more dangerous, certainly stronger and more powerful, and that the flowers are always considered to be the lightest, the loveliest, and the safest part of any tree to use. As a matter of fact, many tree flowers are considered safe to eat, and all tree pollens are safe to eat. So if you're around where there's a lot of alder pollen, that would certainly be something that you might want to experiment with. Pollens are very high in hormones, especially testosterone. Some, like the pine pollen being, um, it is said, pure testosterone. The leaves of most trees are edible, if not delicious. As a matter of fact, the people of the Adirondacks, which means the bark eaters, ate more leaves than bark. And they would put aside caches of leaves um, interleaved with layers of fat. So they got a particularly fatty animal. They would pour a layer of fat, say, in a, in a birch basket, and then tree leaves, the leaves that they thought were less astringent. So not oak leaves, maybe alder leaves, or maybe birch leaves, the softer leaves, the nicer leaves, and then another layer of fat, and then some more of the leaves, and that set aside for the harshness of the winter. And moving from the flowers to the leaves, and then to the bark of the tree, and the bark being the part that the herbalists really focus in on, because that's often where there's a greater concentration of alkaloids or other kinds of poisons there. And yet that's exactly what makes using the barks a little iffier unless we're going to use them externally. Next week, we are going to talk about a tree whose bark is used pretty safely internally, but there can be some drawbacks to it too. As a matter of fact, a compound made from the bark of the next tree that we're going to be talking about is widely sold and widely recommended by MDs to improve heart health, and yet there are some pretty severe side effects 
among those who follow the advice of using the drug made from this tree on a daily basis. I'll leave you a week to think about what the fifth tree in the trees of the 13 moons could possibly, possibly be. And uh, remind everybody that you can click through to wisewomanbookshop.com right here from the Main Street Universe. Thank you so much for making that possible for people. And there you can find all five of my books down there, Sexual and Reproductive Health for Men and Women of All Ages, my latest book. And, of course, my classic Healing Wise, the big green book for everybody, as well as my books focused on women, wise women, herbal for the childbearing year, breast cancer, question mark, breast health, exclamation point, the wise woman way, and new menopausal years, the wise woman way. Also, at the Wise Woman Bookshop, you will find my schedule of events for the year, and I hope that my whole schedule is there and that you can find it there because I'm going to be all over. I'm going to be in California. I'm going to be up in Washington State. I'm going to be in Kansas. I am just going to be all over the place this year. And next year, I'm going to be in Australia. And uh, we're talking about a return visit to Fintorn in Scotland. So check it out. I am getting my broomstick inspected because I'm going to be doing a lot of traveling this year. (laughs) That's good for you. Good to hear people doing things like that, especially at your age of like 30 or however old you are. Oh, right, right, right. Actually, it's my birthday next week, and I'll be that very awkward age 69. Oh, God. I've, decided, I've just decided just to tell people I'm 70 and get it over with. I did that I did that with um, 40. <laughs> when I was right. like 38, I just kept saying I'm 40, even though I feel yeah, younger. Right. Just, yeah, right. Yeah, hey. Why quibble about it? <laughs> so you're also, um, I guess, an Aquarius as well, then? Yes, I am. I am. So am I. I'm January 20th. I'm actually on the cusp of Capricorn and Aquarius. Um, Aha. Air Jeez. Earth. <laughs> Air Earth, right. Not the kind of Aquarius who likes to sit by and watch things happen. <laughs> I need to ground it a little bit and make something happen. <laughs> make make it happen exactly. Well, happy birthday to you, and welcome right. to another uh, journey around the sun. Yes, and you as well. Thank you so much, and green blessings, everybody. We'll be talking to you next week, right, right. here at Main Universe. Thank you, Susan, and everybody who's been listening to Green Magic Green Medicine with your host, Esme Susan. We will continue our study on the 13 sacred trees of the Celtic moons next week. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more, right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.